this week on the Back Table Podcast. One thing that I say to all med students, uh, so if there are med students listening, even if you end up not being interested in IR, um, or even if you actually are interested in IR and go into IR, use your med student years as an opportunity to explore every specialty there is. Because that's the last time that you can walk into any place in the hospital and say, I'm a med student, can I watch? And everybody's going to say, yeah, absolutely. So you should do that. You know, if you come out of this and say, well, you know what? IR is not for me. I don't like those guys. Uh, Cool. No problem. But go hang out in the IR room for, you know, a a couple of days and also go hang out in the GI suite for a couple of days. Also go hang out, you know, in the Radon suite for a couple of days. That will make you a better physician no matter what you end up choosing at the end of the day. And med school is kind of your last chance to do that. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Backtable Podcast, your source for all things interventional and endovascular. You can find all previous episodes of our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and on backtable.com, and pretty much any podcast platform out there. This is Aaron Fritz as your host this week, and I'm really excited to introduce our guests today, Dr. Elias Farah and Dr. Sahil Mehta. Welcome, guys. Thanks hey, for having us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we talked uh, beforehand about, you know, the need for a more trainee-focused episode to kind of talk about IR residency and how competitive it's gotten and, you know, really help out those trainees who are interested uh, and want to, to want to find out, you know, how do, how do you get in these days? And so, but before we get started, I want to start with introductions. Um, Elias, we'll start with you. Just give, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you are, where you're coming from. Sure. So first I'll start by saying it sounds pretty nice hearing me introduce his doctor for the first time on a podcast. <laughs> um, Still not used to it yet. Uh, but yeah, thanks for having me. So I'm Elias Farah. I'm a surgical intern right now at the University of Florida, and I'll be starting my integrated interventional radiology residency uh, starting in July. I'm from Jacksonville, Florida. And that's also where I'm doing my residency. I went to St. George's University. It's a Caribbean med school in the island of Grenada. That was a wild time. It was great. Spent two years down on the island and really found IR very late in the game. I kind of switched my residency application completely from internal medicine to interventional radiology about two months before the application opened. So I was pretty lucky finding IR and I'm so happy with it. You know, Sahil's been great leading me the way and I'm just so excited to start in July. Thank you, Sahil. Yeah, awesome. Um, I'm Sahil Mehta. I'm a uh, practicing IR. I practice up at Beth Israel Deaconess in, uh, in Boston. Did my training at MGH and and uh, residency at at Beth Israel. Been on staff for now uh, almost six years at this point, and my practice is um, very much focused in prostate artery embolization at this point, uh, along with portal hypertension, which we do a ton of, and biliary yeah. work, which we do a ton of. Um, in terms of my my background and my pathway to IR, you know, I, I was in med school at University of Chicago and somebody said, hey, you should check out IR. And so I did. And we could talk more about that <laughs> later. Um, and, you know, I sort of fallen in love with it. And then uh, as sort of a dual career, I, I also run a company called Med School Coach and um, I've been, have been doing both for a little bit now. Uh, med School Coach is a company that provides guidance for pre-med students, medical students, MCAT prep, USMLE prep, help students get to where they eventually want to go. So in, in that role, I work with a ton of students uh, looking to get into residency programs, uh, medical schools and residency programs across the country. And so that's how you guys met, right? Through medschoolcoach.com. How long ago was that? 
I was originally a customer. I used them tutoring for step one. And then afterwards, I applied to be a tutor. And from there, that's how we ended up meeting. Ah, very cool. All right, cool. Yeah, and so we're definitely going to get into that uh, in a little bit. Before we do, I want to talk a, a little bit about what the current training programs are for an IR. And so, you know, I'm not familiar with like IR residency. How does that work versus, you know, I know that I guess... What I've heard is if you don't get into the straight IR residency, which is very competitive, we'll talk about that competition, but also, you know, can you still do a diagnostic radiology pathway? And then is there, you know, an, a fellowship you can do after that? You want to start, Sahil? Yeah. So, you know, when, when we trained, Aaron, you and I, we probably went through the, the same pathway that IRs have gone through for years, right? It was the diagnostic radiology residency. It was an intern year of some sort then five years of residency, then one year of fellowship. That was sort of the uh, traditional pathway, four years of residency. Felt like five, but it was actually four. Like, yeah. When, it, when, when you're in diagnostic radiology, it feels longer. Time, yeah, time <laughs> slows. Time stays still. Uh, but then when you get to IR, it's super fast, right? So th that was the sort of six-year pathway that all of us uh, went through for years. And then uh, it's now been about four years or so since the, um, basically the, IR residency pathway came out, right? And, and this is a uh, integrated IR residency pathway, which involves essentially the same PGY one year uh, that all of us did that any radiology resident does. And then involves uh, three years of diagnostic radiology, which have some heavily focused IR months as well within them. And then two years of IR training. Uh, and so those two years of it's in, like very much 100% focused on IR as well as some ancillary IR services. And what I mean by that is uh, it gives trainees a, some time to do things like go rotate in the ICU, um, go rotate on hepatology, right? As some of the services that we consult with and work with all the time, trainees get a chance to do that because now you have two years of training dedicated to IR as opposed to just one year as we did before. So that's the integrated IR residency. And that's the sort of pathway that most people uh, are following these days or can follow. And there's a lot of benefits uh, for us as IRs in general to have this opportunity for med students to learn about IR and get into IR right from medical school. I, I think it's been a huge boom, which we'll talk about. Um, there, there's the uh, additional pathways, though, of people going through essentially diagnostic radiology residency, right? You might go in and say, I don't know anything about IR. I like radiology and I'm going to be a radiologist. And then you realize uh, halfway through your training that, hey, IR is really what I want to do. And so there's pathways for that as well. One's called the independent IR residency pathway, where you're essentially doing diagnostic radiology for four years. And then you do a two-year for lack of a better word, fellowship program, as we all remember it, they're kind of considered residents now, but we all remember it as a fellowship year. Right. Uh, and then the independent IR residency with early specialization in IR. So you're actually doing, that's a six-year pathway you're doing in your, in your uh, PGY-5 year, a lot of IR, uh, really predominantly IR. And then you do an additional one year of, again, what we used to call a fellowship or what seemed like a fellowship, but you, you're essentially considered a PGY-6 resident. So there's multiple pathways in at this point uh, that a student can potentially go through, but the majority of students are going through the integrated IR residency at this point. I gotcha. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of nice because, you know, not everybody, again, has exposure to IR as a med student, depending on what program you're at. You know, Elias, you mentioned being, uh, you know, in your school, you, you learned about it late in the game. I learned about it late in the game. I was at Tulane Med School and I, I learned about it late in the game. But it's kind of nice so that even 
if you miss that opportunity to go directly into a, a direct IR residency, then you can still have the opportunity to do it, you know, as a diagnostic radiology resident, right? Uh, now, people do, do people apply for that, the, the additional two years? What, what stage in their diagnostic radiology residency do they apply for the, the additional uh, IR training? Yeah, so that's a little dependent on different programs, but essentially you're doing in the same time that you're doing applying to fellowships, right? Uh, okay. That your, your sort of counterparts are also applying to, let's say, an MSK fellowship. Yeah. or a um, or a breast fellowship or whatever else they're applying to. So typically it happens somewhere around the PGY4 year where you're applying for and looking for these programs for your PGY6 year. Okay. But it's like we did the one-year fellowship. These guys are actually doing two years now. Well, some of them are actually doing one year because okay. a lot of them have home programs with ESIR. I and see. so their, their home programs may not offer an integrated pathway, or they may offer an integrated pathway, but their integrated pathway is full with other residents. So they I may see. be doing an ESIR pathway where they spend their PGY5 uh, year doing a lot of IR and then go somewhere else for their PGY6 year, either to get different varieties of training, or maybe their home program doesn't have spots for them, or maybe they don't even have a home program necessarily that has a traditional IR sort of fellowship pathway. And so they are actually doing ESIR, early specialization, interventional radiology. They're doing a lot of that during their uh, last year of diagnostic radiology training and then can do a one-year, I, I, I still call it a fellowship. Like even right. in my head, it's like, yeah, still, I know. It's like a fellowship, right. uh, but you're doing that one year of extra IR residency training, either at that same program or, or potentially elsewhere. Well, because MSK is still called a fellowship, right? Nero is still called a fellowship. It's it is kind of confusing with the terminology, but but that's neat. And so just, I wanted to jump to you, Elias, real quick, but one more question for you, Saho, is that first year, the intern year, does it have to be surgery or, because like, you know, we had the opportunity, we had the options of doing, you know, medicine, surgery, or transitional, but for the, for like the direct IR residency pathway, does it have to be surgery? It's program dependent. Um, and Elias may, you know, good recently going through the process himself, uh, may have better information on every single program, but it's, it's sort of program dependent. A lot of programs will carve out spots within their gen surge year for, for IR residents. So I, I know that we, for instance, have kind of a relationship with our surgery department that says, hey, you know, these are students are going to match into IR. They're looking for a year gen surge spot. So it's program dependent. A lot of programs do like their students to do a gen surge year rather than a transitional or medicine year now. I have mixed feelings about that personally, but yeah, my, my feelings aside, that, that's sort of uh, the way the way it works. Elias, you may have a little bit better on the ground information from what you saw a couple of years ago. Yeah, um, at least at my institution right now, it's definitely recommended. They highly recommended it. And just because at my institution, like the surgery and the IR team is so highly integrated. Yeah. You know, our ancillary services that our integrated IR residents work with, it's, it's vascular surgery and sick you wherever you, you know, go through the surgical ICU. So everyone told me, and even if you didn't match into an IR integrated program and you had to do it and you had to do an intern year and then reapply, they said, do a surgery year because it just looks way better. Yeah. I'm like I said, I'm not exactly sure how accurate that is. It's definitely program specific, but I know for the, the two programs in my hometown, Jacksonville, Florida, they really recommended doing a surgical intern year. Yeah. That I think would have a huge advantage. I mean, I wish I did a medicine year, but I wish I had done a surgical year just in retrospect. But so Elias, I didn't want to ask you, uh, well, thank, thank you for clearing that up, Sahil. Elias, I wanted you, I want to ask you, uh, you, you know, what are some of the obstacles 
to exposure or learning more about IRs as a med student? What, what were some of the things that you saw and maybe some of the things that you've heard from, you know, colleagues, you know, other med students? Sure. So I'll preface by saying, you know, my situation was a little different, you know, going to a Caribbean med school, we typically just don't match into the integrated IR spots. So for me, I think the biggest obstacle is that radiology isn't a poor rotation. You know, you have the cores, you have OBGYN, peds, medicine, surgery, and then family medicine, but radiology just really isn't, you know, talked about in your core rotation. You rarely ever see it. And it's hard for students to rotate in diagnostic radiology because, you know, you would sit there and kind of just sit next to the attending and watch them read. And a lot of times they're super busy. They don't really have that much time to teach you. So that was one of the big obstacles for me. And secondly, for IR, it's just so highly specialized and the number of cases, you know, you have to get the fellows to do cases and you have to get the residents to do cases. So the med student really, you know, just sit there and watch. So I think that's another obstacle and really just program specific. You know, for me, we had no lessons or no, you know, presentations or anything about IR. They never told us anything about it. I mean, if you go through any of our residency match list, you know, going back the last five years from my school, I saw like maybe three or four students matching to radiology. So not only was there no exposure, no one was really talking about it. You know, everyone at my school was just basically, you match into medicine, you match into surgery, you match into, you know, one of the big five. So it was really lucky for me that on one of my, you know, off weeks in between rotations, I was just home and I was shadowing a, a radiation oncologist here in Jacksonville because I was just bored, you know, at home. And he said, we're going to go do a Y90 procedure. I go, well, what the heck's a Y90 procedure? I have no idea what this is. I went and I watched it and I spoke to the IR and we were, you know, talking about it, talking about the imaging and talking about the 3D mapping of the liver. And I go, this is the coolest thing I have ever seen. I want to do this. And that kind of sparked a really crazy two months of me trying to scramble to figure out how I'm going to do this and how I'm going to get into IR. But to answer your question, I think the biggest obstacle is really just exposure that it's not part of a core curriculum. You know, our students are just not exposed to it. Yeah. And so uh, what do you think are the best, I mean, it sounds like you, once you, and I had a similar experience, uh, I was on a diagnostic radiology rotation where, you know, that was always seen as kind of like the easy elective, right? You could, it was usually like a half a day and then they'd let you go at lunchtime and you could do what you want. And then I discovered, you know, there was an IR, there were IRs and you could, you could hang out with them. And that, that to me, similar to you, a similar experience where you're just like, wow, th- I didn't know this existed. Mm-hmm. And I think that is part of one of the struggles is, is, uh, you know, it's just that exposure and getting that exposure. And so anything that you've seen, obviously as IR becomes a more popular specialty programs are, are getting, you know, more exposure to the med students, but any other resources that you've seen that have helped people kind of learn more about it from day one? Well, I think the SIR, the Society of Interventional Radiology has been good about student outreach. I think that's definitely giving some more exposure and Definitely apps like Backtable have been you know, giving a lot of exposure and just really word of mouth. A lot of residents, like I see on Reddit or, you know, the med school forums, a lot of people are just talking about, you know, applying to IR. It's a lot of word of mouth to me. I think that they're doing a great job, you know, getting the word out, but at the same time, that's just causing it to be way more competitive. I know that the year I applied, they had seen, I think it was like a 15 or 20% decrease in the number of applicants, but no decrease in the average score step scores, the average number of letters of recommendation or the average number of publications. In fact, so it got actually, the applicant pool got more competitive um, with less applicants. 
Wow. And, you know, there's really only about 90, 90 or so, you know, integrated IR residencies. That's one of the main reasons why it's so competitive. There's just not a lot of spots. Right. Right. Yeah. The, the, you know, the, I think it's really interesting that, you know, when I, even when I went through and found IR, probably similar to you, Aaron, like IR wasn't on people's radar, right? Like that wasn't a thing. Diagnostic radiology was a thing, but IR within it wasn't. And so the, a lot of us stumbled upon it almost, you know, uh, by luck in, in a lot of ways. And we said, wow, that, that's really cool. What's great about the fact that there's now an integrated IR residency is that it actually is talked about. It's on the mind of students, right? And because it's so competitive, it's actually even more on the mind of students. So when you say, what are the most competitive specialties? You know, now you rattle off neurosurgery, dermatology, ENT, interventional radiology in there. And people are like, oh, what's interventional radiology, right? And so at Harvard Med, where, where I'm on faculty, you know, we have students come by all the time who are interested in IR or at least like get some exposure to it earlier on. It's still tougher than maybe getting exposure to diagnostic radiology or some of the others, but it's, you know, kind of on the par of getting ex exposure to opto, yeah. right? Like as med students, not a lot of us got exposure to opto. I don't know the single thing about the eyeball, right? <laughs> still don't, right? Um, but, but if you're, if you, at least you knew opto was a specialty choice. And I think 10 years ago, people didn't even know IR was a specialty choice, right? They just kind of maybe stumbled upon it or they knew diagnostic radiology. And once they were in there, they said, oh, this is, you know, maybe I don't love sitting in the reading room. Maybe I like procedures. IR could be cool. But I think that's a very big, there's a very big shift in mentality now where people are going into medical school knowing that IR exists, or at least in their first couple of years, being exposed even to the name of IR. And so then they can go find the right people to shadow. They can go get in clinical rotations and do what they need to do to see if it's really for them. I mean, you're never going to have a six-week IR rotation like you're going to have an internal medicine rotation, nor should you in medical school early on. But at least it's there for most students to explore. Uh, and at least for a lot of, you know, for most students, it's, it's on the radar now, which it just really wasn't years ago. Yeah. Uh, Elias, you mentioned that one of the reasons why it's so competitive is that there's not that many spots out there. Anything else, any, any other reasons why you guys think, uh, IR is so, com I mean, I, diagnostic radiology has always been competitive. We know that but IR seems to be at a different level. Any kind of reason, uh, other than just the limited number of spots. It's because IR is the coolest field in the world. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. I, who, I knew that. I just here, you know. think IR is the best, right? <laughs> yeah. On the, when I applied, it was, it was a super hot residency. Like everyone was talking about, you know, we want to apply IR and a lot of, a lot of students were just switching. Like, I don't want to do medicine anymore. I want to switch to, you know, interventional radiology, you know, where I did my, my away rotation at Emory, you know, a lot of the fellows there had switched from cardiothoracic surgery, from orthopedic surgery, and from vascular surgery. They, like three of the fellows had switched from those specialties into IR, mostly because not only was the lifestyle a little bit better, but it was just, you know, I thought they just, I think they just thought it was cooler. But I think the buzz around it, you know, the past few years has just gotten, you know, so, so high. They just, you know, everyone's been applying to it now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the definitely has, you know, I think, you know, SIR has done a good job. Interventional Initiative's done a good job of really making people more aware of the specialty itself. I'm hoping that that happens with the lay public as well, because you still go to a cocktail party or, you know, not these days, but, you know, you go somewhere and somebody asks what you do and 
it's, it's hard for people to wrap around, you know, interventional radiology as, you know, it's not just one body part like orthopedics or urology, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, we, we, we certainly, I think in IR still have an image problem, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, but, but the reality is, um, we have a huge, we had, and perhaps still do in a lot of ways, we have a huge image problem even within people in medicine, for right? Sure, for sure. Um, and until we get people within medicine to realize what we do, it's impossible to get the lay people yeah. to realize, you know, lay public. Uh, and so I think the, again, I go back to just having this independent IR residency is such a boon to that, because if you, as a medical student, even if you're not going into IR, right? If you're going into ortho, if you're going into medicine, like, you know, that IR is out there, you know, it's super competitive and, and at least you, you sort of, it's, it's on your radar, right? It's not this, it's not this very subspecialized field that, I mean, it's subspecialized, but it's not this like very far off field that you've never heard of. You've at least heard of it at this point because people get interested in it, because it's competitive. And I, I think that that eventually, hopefully trickles down, you know, aside from the, the rest of the image problems that we may have as interventional radiologists with the lay public, it, it starts with in medicine that we need people to understand what we do. And I think that that having a competitive residency program is, is a great place to start for that. For sure. Yeah. yeah it's my fiance. Oh, sorry to interrupt. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I think my fiance still curtailing her explanation. When people ask her what residency I'm in, she, she has no idea how to explain it. And I keep trying to explain it and people really just don't understand. And I, you know, I agree with Sahil. It really does start with medicine before it gets down to like the lay person. Yeah, you know, I like what Phillips has done with image-guided therapies. You know, I, I like that term um, because it applies to, it, it also applies to interventional cardiology and vascular surgery, but it really applies to IR most of all, you know, and, and that's really what we do. And, and people can wrap their head around, oh, we use imaging to do, you know, treatments and stuff, you know, kind of like a radi you know, radiation oncology. And so I, I started using that terminology more. Before I used to like, Dive in, you know, be, try to explain like a chemo embo to somebody, and they'd be their eyes are glazed or are they okay? I, I, you know, I do biopsies. <laughs> you know, it's it, it's hard. It's hard because you're working all over the body. So it's like, okay, what body part do you pick to explain what you do? And then so um, so and then you you start explaining vascular work, and they're like, oh, so you're you're a vascular surgeon? You're like, no, it's sort of different. So you know, it's it, it can be challenging. But, but I think that's, you know, for, for the med students or the, the people who are even before med school, you know, listening to this, like the, the perception problem we have is real, but that's actually what is actually so awesome about IR, right? I mean, I often tell people like you will in a day treat somebody who needs to look better in their bikini, right? And they have varicose veins and you might be doing a GSV ablation on them. And in the same day, you will be treating somebody who is going to die on your table because they're hemorrhaging, right? A, it's like such an incredible spectrum of diseases that an interventional radiologist can treat. Um, I often you like image guided yeah. therapist as well, <laughs> better than interventional radiologist, but that's uh, maybe a separate story. But, you know, it's just such a, it's, it's so great that we can treat so many different things, so many different body parts, so many different people, pediatric all the way to a hundred year old, right? right? That's what makes IR so much fun at least to me. And, and I think, you know, for a lot of people who are getting interested in the specialty, like you'll never be bored in IR. I, it, at least that's how I feel. Like, I really feel like every day you can come across something new, you can come across something unique. Uh, and if you get bored of that, fine, go, go to your outpatient vein center. If you get bored of that, okay, come back to your, you know, 
tertiary care center where you're going to be doing tips at 3 a.m. Like you, you have this wide spectrum of things that you can do as an IR that makes it so much fun. It is. It's very true. So I want to jump back into uh, from the med student perspective. Have you guys seen, I'm sure you have, but how has COVID-19 made it challenging to do to like, because once you decide you want to go in IR, then you have to, you know, basically get your application together. You got to make yourself look good on paper, right? So part of that is, you know, step one scores, research, writing experience, but also just you got to be able to shadow an IR and get a letter of recommendation. So where are we now with COVID-19, people being able to do externships and stuff like that? I'll start with you, Sahil. Yeah, so definitely, you know, unfortunately, it was obviously super tough for about a year, but things are obviously opening back up, um, you know, uh, at, at HMS, where I'm the med student, med student uh, director for the um, sub-I, we actually opened things back up um, starting in July for our for our external students. So even external students can come rotate. And obviously, you know, if you're interested in an IR, you should be rotating if you don't have a home program. And even if you do have a home program, I think it's really, because IRs practice kind of differently at different places, it's really good to rotate in different places. The reality of the situation still is that you know, it's competitive and you need experience within it. Um, if you look at the NRMP, which which runs the match program, they do this survey of program directors every single year. And some of the most important things that the program directors and IR pointed out was step one scores, which are obvious, but then uh, research publications within IR and letters of recommendation from people within the specialty. So it is super important to try to get that exposure. Obviously a little bit more difficult in the last year, but hopefully we are um, over that hump and getting over that hump quickly. Yeah, Elias, getting that. I think it's just really important. And obviously, you know, coming from the resident side and seeing students now as my first year as a resident, I think it's important as a resident seeing the students now rotating. I think it's really important that the faculty has to see, you know, the student working with, with everybody. You have to see how they get along and, you know, how they work under pressure and how they work under stress. And doing this over Zoom, I just think it's so difficult. I'm not sure how any residency would able to pick someone over somebody else, just narrowly down to paper stats. You know, I think the in-person interview was a huge decider for any residency, not even IR. So now that I think things are opening back up, I think we're going to be back to normal in this next match. Yeah. And, and Elias, so you kind of had a limited time uh, span from the time, you know, time you decided to getting your application out. Where and when, like, should med students focus their time and energy in that short period of time after they decide on IR, in your opinion? Sure. So obviously in the third year, I think, you know, you really have to bust your butt in your, in your core rotations, right? So that's all that's so, so important. And, you know, for IR, I don't know how it is now, but I think that having a good off rotation letter recommendation is definitely helpful. It's not the most important, but I definitely think having a letter from like, you know, a good internal medicine, you know, program director or a good surgeon will definitely help you in the long run. But as soon as you're done with your course, I really think your your biggest, your, you know, your biggest focus should be on trying to find those away rotations. Cause like Sahil said, that letter of recommendation from inside the field is so important. I think that's one of the main reasons why I got in, why I got a residency, because if I didn't have that letter of rec- recommendation, yeah, uh, they would, I think the program directors would just ask, well, how do I know you're actually interested? Right. Saha, you got anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I think the the other things that students who are interested need to do is do some research and, and get those abstracts, presentations, publications. If you look at the data, the amount of 
abstracts, recent presentations and publications that the matching student has is over 10. Wow. And so that's a whole lot better than my, my own resume, you know, like, um, having 10 abstracts, presentations, publications, like it takes a lot, but that's what the average student matching into IR has at this point. That's amazing. Is there a minimum step one score or does it really matter anymore? The reality is that every single program wants to say they look at applicants holistically. How true is that is, is always a little bit of a question mark, right? I mean, listen, what's the reality? There's a few things that are sortable. If you go into ERAS as a program director, like there's a few things you can sort by, right? And set filters by. And when you have a thousand applicants or even a couple of hundred applicants, you have to uh, at least do some sort of sorting and filtering at the end of the day. And so step yeah. one score does end up being important in, in the, in the whole process. Like it is important, right? Your, your right. scores are definitely important. Now you're still going to look at every applicant, but you know, if you see an applicant with a 210 and an applicant with a 250, you're going to look at the applicant with the 250 a little closer. Like that's just the reality of it. Yeah. And any pitfalls that you've seen students suffer, like in this process where they left something out. Anything that, uh, you know, you think is essential in an application? Yeah, I mean, we talked about the research, talked about the letter of recommendation for IR. I mean, I think that showing genuine interest is, is really some of the most essential stuff, right? Yeah. Because it's still a relatively newer residency. I mean, it is a newer residency, one of the newest residencies, right? What program directors are really going to want to see is that you understand what IR even is, right? Like we don't want people who are applying who have no exposure to it. So I think the, uh, you get pitfalls in terms of people who are applying because they think it's either high paying or they just think it's, you know, something to do with other diagnostics. I, I mean, you really, I think, have to be committed to the IR pathway. The application to diagnostics at the same time is an interesting one, right? Because a lot of these students are going to be applying to diagnostics simultaneously. And so you have to kind of, if you want it, that IR spot, you really have to distinguish yourself and, and make it known that you really want the IR spot by doing these, again, doing the rotations, doing the research, talking intelligently about it on, on your interviews, yeah. knowing, you know, listen, a, a question that I used to ask all interviewers, uh, and this was back when we were interviewing for fellowship, but just tell me about an interesting case you saw, right? And so you have to just know a little bit about it, right? You don't have to have any technical skills. And you don't have to have, you know, incredible knowledge by any means, but you do have to at least have read up and talk, can talk intelligently about a case or two that you've seen. I think that's important. Oh, for sure. And it goes in the real world too, you know, in terms of jobs, just as an aside, I was, in, I've been interviewing people for, for Backtable and, you know, the first thing I ask them is, uh, you know, which episodes have you listened to? And if they've listened to zero episodes, I'm like, well, why, you know, you got to show up prepared, you know, it's, it's that sort of thing. You know, I, I don't, you know, some people like they're just going through the motions and you got to have a way to kind of weed those people out. Uh, Elias, anything that you've seen students kind of suffer in the process? I think Sahil really covered it. A lot of the students, you know, if you are applying just because you think that it's going to be, you know, a high paying job or just because, you know, whatever the reason may be, you really have to show interest. You know, I, I've seen a lot of students who, you know, say they love IR and they can't even tell you anything about it. I think uh, having read up in your interview is such an important thing because I got asked that question probably at 80% of my interviews. You know, what was the interesting case you saw or what was, you know, something cool that you saw in IR that you don't really see anywhere else? And like Sahil said, you don't have to have, you know, real technical skills, but, you know, you have to show that you, know, you looked into it. Yeah. Yeah. I think an easy way to do that, by the way, for people who are applying is 
think about that. First of all, on top of your head, think about two cases you've seen, wherever they are, whatever they are that are interesting to you and go talk to an IR about them before you get on your interview, because they'll, they'll poke holes. And, you know, if you start saying, well, I saw this Yuffie and, uh, we got percutaneous biliary access for it, which, uh, you know, you hear people say like, people just don't, they, they're not always sure what they've seen. And so, you know, I think, um, going and talking to an interventional radiology colleague uh, or or mentor in some way, just be like, hey, this is the case I've seen. Can I just talk to you about it? Make sure I'm not making any really stupid mistakes uh, is important. Yeah. Yeah. It's like preparing for tests, basically. I mean, we're all used to that. I mean, we're all, you know, gunners at preparing for tests. So I think an interview should be the same. Elias, was there a minimum number of programs that uh, was going around that somebody should, should be a uh, yeah, A, applying to, B, interviewing, and C, ranking for success. Sure. So I, for me, I apply to almost every single integrated IR program. Um, now, that depends, you know, where your financial situation is, how much time you have to fly to all these. Well, you know, when COVID was happening and it was all on Zoom, that didn't really matter. But beforehand, how much time you have to, to fly to all these different programs. So for me, I applied to every single integrated interventional radiology residency. And then I applied to about 70 diagnostic programs that also had ESIR with them. And I know that's a lot, but you know, in my situation, coming from a Caribbean med school, I had to do that. Now, for someone who's coming from, you know, maybe a, a higher tier American med school, I would say, you know, narrowing it down to like your top 20, top 30 um, interventional, then you'd want to apply to some diagnostic radiology as backup. But if you are able to rank about 10 or 11 interventional radiology residencies integrated, I think your chance of matching is um, upwards of 90 to 92%. Um, and as you go up from 10, it just goes up, you know, reaching almost 100. Now, obviously, nothing's ever guaranteed. But from what I've heard and what I was talking to everybody, they said, if you can rank, you know, 10 to 11 integrated IR residencies, that you have a you know, fairly good shot of matching. Yeah, that's exactly right. You need, you need 10... 10 interviews and, or sorry, 10 ranks to have sort of that 90% probability of matching. And, you know, COVID blew everything out of the water in terms of the amount of programs that people were applying to, because without the fear of travel expenses uh, attached to it, people were just applying all over the place because the extra application cost was relatively nominal uh, as opposed to before where you had to fly out and travel out where the extra application cost can get really high. So it's hard to, it's hard to ever be comfortable until you've had a bunch of interviews. And right. so if you're somebody who's going through the process, it's it's sometimes better to, you know, apply to the 20, 30, maybe even 40 integrated programs. And then once you get, once you see these interviews coming in and you feel a little bit more confident, then you can scale back and say, well, I'm not going, I'm not flying across the country. That was sort of an outlier program. I'm not going to go there. But it's very dependent, obviously, on your board scores and everything else. You know, if you're a stellar applicant, you're going to, you're going to, be fine with less programs. If not, you're going to need to apply to more programs, but it's, you know, 81% match rate, right? That's, it's more competitive than Durham. Wow. That's wild. Yeah. yeah, It's wild, right? Like when we were in med school, like Durham, like that was, you know, that was yeah. most competitive, right? Now, now IR is more competitive in dermatology, right? It's, it's up there with neurosurgery, ENT, orthoplastics. And as I said before, like it is very competitive. So you have to kind of apply broadly. I can't, I can't say that I wasn't nervous hearing these statistics when I was applying. It really is. It's really crazy. And a lot of these programs have one spot. I think the biggest program that I applied to was probably Emory that had four positions. 
as opposed to, you know, some medicine programs where they have like 20 residents per class, right? I think that's just, that's such a huge difference. Yeah, for sure. Not too long, just recently we had uh, Daryl Goldman on and she's in the middle of her residency at Mount Sinai. She was also a foreign med school graduate and uh, she was talking about kind of, she kind of, we, we got a little bit into some of the challenges because she was talking about how to crush your IR rotation as a med student. And one thing that she got onto, which I thought was interesting was, was networking and, and using social media for networking. And so I wanted to get y'all's opinion up on that. Starting with you, Elias, is how much of that are you seeing? How much of that were you seeing from med school perspective, uh, med student perspective? And then also, are, are you seeing a lot of uh, residents uh, using social media for those purposes? I think IR is really big in the Twitter world. A lot of the, when I was at, when I did my rotation to Emory, um, almost all of the attendings were, had a Twitter and were tweeting cool, pretty pictures of cool kisses. I never had Twitter. And I still don't. I'm not really big in the social media, but I think that is definitely a great way to, a great way to, to network with these, with people and network with residents and, you know, get your name out there. I definitely think it's helpful. It's just not something I ever did. Yeah. So it's not essential, basically. I mean, you were yeah, successful. I don't, I don't think it's essential. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Saho, <laughs> you got any opinions on that? I, I have such mixed feelings about social media <laughs> in yeah. general. Um, yeah. You know, I, I'll, I'll go on a, I'll go on Twitter uh, and be like, wow, this is awesome. And once every couple of months, I'll post some of my own cases and, and it'll be a lot of fun. And then I'll, then I'll step away because, um, yeah, because it's a lot social media and that, you know, I you want to step to. away from social media. So, so I have a lot of mixed feelings. I mean, listen, in general, the networking aspect is obviously good and, and obviously helpful at the end of the day, if your name is known or you can, you know, make some connections, it's only going to help you as long as you're uh, a relatively normal human being. So social media, uh, provides that opportunity. And, and so if you're, you know, if you're a med student and you're really interested in IR, uh, maybe you should take it, right? Get, make sure you get on Twitter and, and follow uh, a bunch of people. It also helps you understand a little bit about the programs, right. That are out there. I know like our program in particular, you know, I would say that there's reputations and then there's what people do. Like I can tell you at, at BI, we are doing crazy cases all day long. We're doing like six prostates a, a, a week. We're doing eight tips a week. Like it's crazy. And one of the only ways for us to really get that out there right now is Twitter, right? So mm -hmm. to tell a med student, hey, listen, like this is a, this is a, this is a great program. Uh, you yeah. should check it out along with a lot of the other great programs around the country. So it's an opportunity to, for programs themselves to also be a little bit, uh, a little show and tell, right? To see what, yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. Great exposure, free advertising. No, I, I agree with that. But yeah, there's definitely the, you know, pitfalls with social media and, and people getting a little bit too intimate, a little bit too divisive and, and opinionated. And so you got to be careful with it. I wanted to kind of like wrap things up with Saiho, you telling us a little bit more about medschoolcoach.com. We are going to have you back on the show later talking about IR entrepreneurship, but I just wanted to uh, kind of dip dip our toes into like, you know, the the uh, how it helped Elias and how it can help others, with, especially with, you know, not only med school, but, you know, that transition to residency. Yeah, I mean, was, I mean, this was a passion project that I started years ago and has grown into something a whole lot bigger. And we could talk about that, you know, in, in the entrepreneurship sort of podcast. But basically, 
what we've been able to do is really guide and mentor students through the process of applying to school, taking their MCATs, taking the USMLE, applying to residency. You know, Elias is a, is a fantastic example of somebody who's been through our program for tutoring and then was a tutor himself. Uh, we used, used some help, uh, I believe, for our residency process as well, right, Elias? And then yep. uh, now, now is giving back and helping others, you know, for the, <laughs> for that same process. So, so it's a, you know, it's this great, um, a great platform for students to get the help and mentorship they need in order to take the next steps in their career. Cool. Elias, you want to tell us just a little bit about your, your journey through that? Sure. So when I finished my last term in Grenada, everyone was talking about step one, step one, step one. That's the only thing that you have to crush in order to get a residency. And, you know, I was really scared and I was really nervous and everyone was telling me, you have to use this, you have use that. You have to use, you know, this company, that company. And one of my senior classmates that he had, you know, he had finished a little bit before me, was a tutor for a med school coach. And I reached out to him and I asked for advice and he said, you know, if you want me to tutor you, I can. And I signed up with med school coach and, you know, it was absolutely amazing. I thought, you know, the tutoring was great and I ended up doing well enough on the step one where I could match into it, you know, an integrated IR residency. And after that, I decided I want to be a tutor for this, for this company. And you know, I've, I think I've tutored over 30 students for, for step one. Wow. And after that, I used the residency advising. I had, you know, wonderful advisor. He was from, he was an IR at UCLA and he gave me really good advice. We practiced my interview, we practiced what I was going to say. And we practiced and we kind of uh, thought about what, how we were going to apply and what our strategy was. And, you know, thankfully I ended up matching. And after that, I applied again for a residency advisor and I'm a residency advisor for medical coach as well. So it's just been great. It's a, it was an awesome experience and, you know, I can't say I wouldn't be in my residency without them. Yeah. It sounds like a great program where you can get something out of it and then give back. And it's, it's, is it a part-time position when you're a tutor, I assume? It's a part-time, you know, it's great because you get to pick your own hours and you get to yeah. pick how many students you want to want to tutor at one time. You know, obviously I'm in my surgical intern year right now, so it's a little less time I have to give, but, you know, starting in July, I start hopefully a little bit more of a quieter, quieter residency, at least in the first few months. I'll definitely have some more time to to take on more students. Yeah, we 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 have tutors. Um, we have over three hundred tutors uh, across the country at this point, and so they and they span you know people who are very close to exams and can give a lot back in terms of knowledge on step one, step two, et cetera all the way up to retired physicians who are on admissions committees and or program directors and everything in between and can really help a student basically craft their story, their application, serve as that mentor and guide to making sure that their application really comes out as strong and stellar as possible. And, you know, every every little thing that you can do will help you get into the 40% of students that get in, not the 60% that get left out, the 80% of students that, you know, uh, match into IR, not the 20% of students that don't or anything else that, that you're looking to do in between there. Gotcha. All right. Well, that's about wraps it up. Any final thoughts or key pearls that we failed to mention you guys? I mean, one thing that I say to all med students, uh, so if there are med students listening, even if you end up not being interested in IR, um, or even if you actually are interested in IR and go into IR, use your med student years as an opportunity to explore every specialty there is. Because that's the last time that you can walk into any place in the hospital and say, I'm a med student. Can I watch? 
And everybody's going to say, yeah, absolutely. So you should do that. You know, if you come out of this and say, well, you know what? IR is not for me. I don't like those guys. Uh, cool. No problem. But go hang out in the IR room for, you know, a, a couple of days and also go hang out in the GI suite for a couple of days. Also go hang out, you know, in the Radonk suite for a couple of days. That will make you a better physician, no matter what you end up choosing at the end of the day. And med school is kind of your last chance to do that. So if there are people who are out there who are fourth year med students, it is an awesome time to, to kind of try to do that. Uh, and even obviously before, if you don't do it now, you may never do it. And you may, you know, be 30 years out in practice and realize that I have no idea what an interventional radiologist does, or I have no idea what an interventional cardiologist does. So this is like your chance in med school to do that. Yeah, that's great. By, that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Elias. Oh, I was just saying, um, I think the most important thing is just to make sure that you're happy with what you're doing. If you're not happy, it, none of it really matters. So, you know, if you're really gung-ho about being a neurosurgeon and you realize that, you know, nurse surgery is not going to make you happy, it's your life's just going to be miserable. So, you know, if you're really excited about IR, like Saki was saying, make sure you go and make sure you do a rotation and make sure you really do love it because, you know, you'll be doing it for the rest of your life. So you have to just make sure you're happy. Yeah. Stellar advice. I agree. I completely agree. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Uh, Saki, I'm looking forward to our discussion on, on entrepreneurship in medicine and to our audience, thanks again for listening. This is an important episode, really great information from both Saho and Elias about, you know, the competitiveness of IR and re really how best to uh, get into a, a, a dedicated IR program. For med students who aren't quite familiar with interventional radiology, I suggest that you actually check out our website, backtable.com. There's a lot of great resources on there, including procedure walkthroughs. If you're going to do a med student rotation in interventional radiology, and let's say that you're going to be watching a chemoembolization or even a Mediport. There are procedure walkthroughs that will help you prepare for watching those procedures. And that way you walk in and you know a little bit about it ahead of time. So again, thanks to our audience. You can find all previous episodes on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or anywhere, uh, basically anywhere you get your, your podcasts. All right. Thanks again, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much.